think one of the most difficult pieces of life is when you kind of feel like you're on the outside looking in. And for a lot of us over the course of the pandemic and all that stuff, there's just been a lot of that where you don't know about this or that or the other and are you vaccinated or not vaccinated? Have you had it? Have you not had it? Are you comfortable with the mask? Are you not comfortable with the mask? And I'm just kind of sick of that. I'm sick of having to figure out whether I'm on the inside or the outside. Who did you vote for? Where are your politics? I'm just kind of sick of that. And I'm sick of both hearing that and hearing myself participate in that, that kind of conversation. When I go back into my own life, I can think of moments, usually transitional moments, where I felt as if I was on the outside looking in. I remember when my family moved from Flagstaff, Arizona to Anaheim, California. I was in eighth going into ninth grade, and I, I felt extremely disconnected. Kind of felt like I was excluded. All the boys chose up their football teams because I had not been there. I was not able to participate. I mean, it was just outside looking in. I remember there's times where in, in, in my ministry where you have to make decisions and choices. And as senior pastor, you look around the table and you think, okay, everyone can have their opportunity to give their opinion and voice their thing, but I have to make the decision. And sometimes I go with everybody else and sometimes I don't. And when I don't, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in, almost to the extent of being alone. And I know that almost all of us who are here this morning, and there's so many of us in the auditorium this morning, it feels so good to sing together. And I know we've got a bunch joining us online. Um, but that idea of not being chosen of not being connected in, at least for me over the last 18 months, has been pretty, pretty tough. So not long ago, I decided and our worship team decided that we were going to work through the book of Ephesians a little bit. And we think that it provides a, a marvelous way to kind of sneak back into worship and church. It, it, it's a great foundational book for us to think about as we uh, get back after Body of Christ stuff and, and all of those things. Um, it it kind of sets the platform for what life in Jesus, life in community is, is all about. The book of Ephesians was written by St. Paul in about 60 AD from prison in Rome. Paul had a marvelous history. He'd been knocked off a horse by the Lord Jesus when he was on his way to Damascus to execute Christians. And God came down after he knocked Paul off the horse. He struck him blind and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He was gathered up by Christians and the Christians said, uh, a man named Simeon who lived on Straight Street, the book of Acts said, uh, brought Saul into his house. He looked at the Christian leaders. He said, you've got to be kidding me. We're bringing a murderer into our home. Are you nuts? And he said, the Lord is going to use Saul, who became Paul, as a voice piece to lead the world to Jesus through the gospel. So by the time 60 AD had come, Paul had preached all over the Mediterranean and in Ephesus, there, around Ephesus, there were six churches 
and the letter is written and was taken to each one of those, those churches. So Ephesus, I always think, along with a couple other cities like Corinth, was a lot like Orange County. Uh, Ephesus was not like Atalanto. No dispersions on Atalanto. It's on the way to Mammoth. I get it. But Orange County is a special place. Orange County has commerce and entrepreneurship. Orange County is home to some of the largest Christian churches in the history of the Christian movement. Calvary Chapel was birthed here. Vineyard was birthed here was birthed here. Uh, you go back to uh, Saddleback and Mariners. Those are all enormous congregations. Ephesus also had a mega church. It just so happened that it wasn't to the, the God of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, like the churches that I just mentioned, but their God was the God of, of Diana, the Roman goddess. And so the city of Ephesus was filled with trade and commerce, lots of wealth and religion as well. It just so happened that the religion was kind of gross and lurid. It also happened that the book of Ephesians is foundational. Today is a rah-rah. If Paul could take one big breath and speak as long as he possibly could in Greek, this is the sentence that... that shows you that. And chapter two, which we're going to talk about next week, speaks about uh, how we know we're connected to God through faith in Jesus Christ and the cross and the theology of all that. And then the last part of the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks about living out a life worthy of the calling you have received, how life is lived out on the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it was meant not just for a church and a group of 60 people, it was meant for the body of Christ. The churches that are highlighted in the book of Revelation are the churches to which Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, the churches that are in modern-day Turkey. And you can read more about that. It's fascinating. The other thing, just to go back, that's why I like to control this. I'm a little bit of a control freak, but I, I can, my ADD can just go. Um, the book of Ephesians, um, it, it, it deals with the stuff we're dealing with in real life, what the church is dealing with in culture right now, what we as Christians are dealing with in culture right now. It used to be in, the, in, in Ephesus and again in Corinth that when your son got to be in the age of puberty or adolescence that you took him up to the temple and they did gross things. And so the Christians stood out you know, like you can't believe in contrast to the cities within which they lived. And uh, seems to me that the way that culture is going now, Christians are going to be contrasted and put in a marvelous light in that our deeds, our lives, our way of looking at the world is going to contrast starkly to the rest of the pagan, pagan world and the pagan way of looking, looking at life. We are chosen. Do you believe that your life is a set of random events that just kind of runs like a wind-up toy? Or do you believe that there's design in your life? Now, there's not really, you, you can't really mediate that. I, I know that being non-binary is kind of hip right now, but that is a binary thing. Because your whole life is structured on whether or not you believe that random events happen to you and it's just random and there's no design and it doesn't matter and there's no hand of God and it just kind of is what it is. It's a roll of the dice every day to see how it's going to be. Or you believe in the power and presence 
and the design of God upon your life. And Paul is going to get into that very, very quickly. The first, starting at verse 3 and then working through about verse 22 in the first part of, of the book of Ephesians. Some people believe that we are created by random that somehow one cell mutated into this, mutated into that, mutated into this, and a chicken became a frog, became a monkey, became me. Now, I know that's simplified in a little bit of sarcasm, but at the end of the day, many, many people believe that they are on this earth just based on random stuff. A lady met a dude who became your mom and dad, and then life just started not rooted to anything eternal, not rooted to anything bigger than just self and random events. Some people believe that the way they live their lives, they're just affected by random stuff. That stuff doesn't have any meaning behind it and that it just kind of happens and you have to sometimes swallow hard and sometimes you applaud, but life is defined by how you respond to the random events that happen to you. And some people believe that the people in their lives are just random. Oh man, I just work with that person. That's cool. Or their kids go to school with my kids and we hang out. And that's just cool. But there's no purpose or anything, anything behind it. It's just kind of a random event or just kind of dumb luck. I always used to appreciate it when my, my beautiful daughter who's in church today would say, I would make a comment. She would go, Dad, that's so random. And I was kind of cracked up. I'm like, well, I don't know, is it? But you begin to understand what that, what that means. That's saying, Dad, just kind of back off a little bit. You're cool, right? So you either believe life is kind of dumb luck, or maybe there's some design with it. If we're chosen, we're chosen on purpose. If we're chosen, we're chosen intentionally, and it's more than just a roll of the dice. If we feel that life is just random, then nothing connects. There's no integrity, no, no, nothing pushing life together, nothing uh, ordering the sequence of events of our lives, the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. Nothing connects, and life is just kind of lived like a, a ship on the ocean without a rudder. And in that sort of life and in that sort of thing, there's almost like this law of karma where you get what you deserve or people will treat you as you treat them, maybe unless they can leverage you for something. And I don't know about you, but if I get what I deserve, sometimes that's really good and sometimes that's really terrible. And it leads at the end to a sense of victimization and nihilism. And I want you to think about the word nihilism. I'll define it for you in a moment. And you can use it at work this week and say, well, it's kind of a nihilistic attitude. People will think you're super smart. It'll work out super good. But victimization comes from the randomness. I am not in charge of the things of my life. There is no higher power. There is no God working in my life. So I am victimized by my father's alcoholism. I am victimized by the sin of this other person. I am victimized by how life has gone. I am victimized by this and that. And I am completely unable to handle all of the random events of my life. Nothing's connected. Nothing's together. Nothing makes sense. And life is empty. An empty life is called nihilism. Life means nothing. 
And so into that idea of randomness and nothingness, St. Paul speaks. Those marvelous words that Stefan read for us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. Can I get an amen on that? Holy smokes! If that doesn't make your skin crawl and go, ah, oh, then I don't know what does. Because St. Paul wrote that with one breath. That is cheerleader, encouragement, best stuff in the world type thing. If you're going to print something off and stick it on your refrigerator or stick it on your mirror or put it in your car, Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 would be that for you. And look at the words he uses, praise and blessed, spiritual blessings in Christ, chose us to be holy and blameless, in love predestined us to be adopted into his family, in accordance with his pleasure and his will. That sort of language smacks against the randomness of our age. As Christians, we believe that there is deliberate working of God in the hearts and lives of all His people, that there is designed to who we are and where we came from, that God wanted mom and dad to be together, and that when they made us, that there was something beautiful and something special in the unique creation that is each and every one of us. And that's the gospel in this text, or at least part of it, that you are a unique chosen, handmade piece of art created in the image of God. You are beautiful as you are. You are whole as you are. You are dearly, dearly loved of God. Because God does not design and create and then walk away. You are deliberately and intentionally who you are, according to God's design in your life. And your life is lived out with intentionality and not in some weird random thing. God has a way of taking events that seem random and molding us and shaping us in and through those events so that our lives find a richness and a depth of meaning. And along with that, we grow as our edges are shaved off, as rough spots in our lives are made smooth. And as we rub up and against people who help form us and guide us and care for us and we for them in everything that we do. We are chosen by design, which means there is design in a designer, and that life is lived with intentionality and not a series of random things that somehow God helps us deal with. And we also believe that faith and trust for the future are based on the designer's hand. God works through history, God works through people, God works through political systems, God works through armies and generals and Preachers and prophets and accountants and engineers and teachers and 
And not in some random order, but in a marvelous design that he chose, he predestined, and he ordered before any of us were a thought. And that gives me a sense of confidence in a time of it seems random. It gives me confidence that God's footprints and God's fingerprints, his footprints leading us in our life, and his fingerprints creating, sustaining, and ordering my life, your life, and all of creation. And that calls me and you and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord to live by faith in Jesus Christ and trust for the future based on His design. Therefore, I will not be afraid. We are chosen for God's purpose, picking up again with Ephesians chapter 1. Again, marvelous words. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Notice that word everything. It doesn't say, well, when God gets up in the morning, then He's vigilant. No, no. Everything in conformity with the purpose of His will in order that we, who are the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Ugh! What has God done? God has purposed the entire world around the birth of His Son, Jesus Christ. So that you and me would not live random lives of desperation, but that our lives would be united and connected in the love of Jesus for us. And as if that wasn't enough, he put his son on a cross in a public way, in a public place, at a public time with people who are known then and now, such as Barabbas, Pontius Pilate, Caiaphas, Annas, people who existed in history who witnessed Jesus' death, and people who witnessed not the randomness of a myth, but the reality of a man who rose from the dead. And St. Paul writes, he was seen by over 500 people to the praise of his glory. You are in Christ. You are chosen. You are predestined. You are included. You are not on the outside looking in. You are on the inside with Jesus, which is the absolute best place to be and the best way to look at the events and the people of your life. A couple of things. Oh my goodness, my timer says that I've been preaching for 174 minutes and 31 seconds. Oh, Oh, my word. Time's just stood still. A couple more slides. A couple of foundational lessons from this text. As you go from this place of worship this morning, I hope that you'll say in the quiet of your heart, I am chosen. I am predestined. And my life is called together according to the will of God. There is design and order to who I am and what I'm all about. Secondly, that our hope is in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone, right? In Christ alone. 
He's the one who died for us. He's the one who rose for us. He's the one who walks with us. As I said a moment ago, all of history is ordered around his birth and death. And I guess being tethered to that through baptism and through faith in the word of the gospel that we hear, that allows us to go through the pieces of life that are painful with a devout and marvelous sense of hope, H-O-P-E, holding on past evil, hope, faith that looks forward and holds on to the promise of Jesus. Paul says the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. I hope that that good news, the gospel of truth, resonates in your heart. That is not an if-then statement. If you love God, then He will love you. The message of truth is that God has designed you, He has redeemed you in Christ, that He loves you and He will never exclude you. That's the good news for us today. And the deposit guaranteeing your salvation, that may not mention the water and word of holy baptism, but that is certainly baptismal language. That there are tangible ways that I can feel that I belong to God. And on those days that are random, I go back to, I was baptized into Christ in June of 1964 in a little church that's torn down in a baptism, with a baptismal font that is now in a historical institute. <laughs> but God, it was included in you in that day. And today it feels like I'm shaking, so hold on to me. He is the deposit guaranteeing your salvation to the praise of His glory. All the praise and all the honor all the adulation goes to God. And somehow in that, it releases the human soul from the responsibility to be God and allows all things to be under the feet of Christ and for us to find comfort and hope in the reality that we belong to the one who orders all. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Thank you, Lord, for this first chapter of Ephesians, for the lessons that are in it, for the exuberance that's in it. Bless us as your children. You have called us not just randomly, but you have called us by name to be your own. Bless us in our congregation, in our life together, how grateful we are for what we share in Jesus here at St. John's. Bless the work of your hands and your heart. For those who are feeling kind of bowled over by the, the stuff of life, cling tightly to them, Lord Jesus, and let them hold tightly to you. Bless them, wipe away tears, bring a sense of your presence that they may know the inclusion they have in your love, and be with us as we continue to gain momentum in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.